Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Movie Shed Podcast. I'm, of course, your cinema-loving, shed-dwelling host, Mike. You know, it's I've been feeling fairly nostalgic lately, especially over the various movies and TV shows I watched when I was a kid. I think we've all gone through this at one point or another, you know, pining for a particular chapter in our lives. Now, I'm not going to go into the the whole psychological thing about this. I just want to talk about the stuff that I liked watching as a kid. And some of the things that I really enjoyed watching as a kid were cartoons. I still enjoy watching cartoons. I'm a grown man, and I still like watching them. Man, back in the day, though, there was just something about the cartoons then. I don't know. But let's let's talk a few. Like, let's go through a list of some of them. Now, of course, there are going to be quite a few that are. Kind of like everyone's go-to. And I get that. It's, it's not a uh, list of the most obscure. I mean, hell, I didn't have access to anything that uh, the vast majority of all of you wouldn't have had access to. I had the same level of... Yeah, I had local television, local television stations that I could tune into reliably. Occasionally I could get into uh, watching some cartoons on cable, but not often. But enough of that. Let's, let's actually dig into the list. And the first one, of course, is Thundercats. And this is the Thundercats that ran from 85 to 89. Now, Thundercats itself, much like a lot of the cartoons of the 80s, was just one long commercial. A lot of them were. They were there to design, they were designed solely to sell toys. But man, it was an interesting cartoon, you know? Yeah, the moral, the moral lesson at the end of every episode, it was kind of shoehorned in there because of angry parental groups. They're like, you need to have, cartoons have to be educational instead of just entertaining. It's, these same folks would, you know, laugh at the idea that, really, so we need to put that kind of stuff at the end of your television shows and your movies well, uh, uh. yeah, I never liked these kinds of people. <laughs> but despite that, it had an interesting story. I mean, a group of refugees from a lost planet. Were there others? Perhaps. There were other escape sh- other ships that had escaped, presumably had escaped successfully. Was there, and there was, I think, in the, much later on in the series... Uh, a chance to return to their homeworld of Thundera. All of this, plus really innovative uh, villains, including the main stay villain, of course, Mumra, who, when you really look back on it, Mumra is this is this desiccated mummy of evil who has been ruling third who has ruled Third Earth for who knows how long. 
and he's just trying to get some sleep at this point. It's like, look, my evil is done. I need to take a break. And then all of a sudden, these gallivanting space cat people just kind of crash land on his planet and start doing stuff that interrupts everything. He's the old man yelling at these damn kids to get off his lawn. It's funny when you really think about it. Alright, so our, my next cartoon, again, is not going to be that surprising. And that is, of course, He-Man, or its full title, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which ran from 83 to 85. Again, uh, it's a commercial. It's designed to sell toys. And it has, of course, a, sh a shoehorned moral lesson of the day shoved in there at the end. But it had some real interesting animation. Something that, you know, carried a lot with a lot of the 80s, especially the early 80s cartoons. And that... It had some uh, rotoscoping done in its animation, which made it, you know, flow in such a way that was very interesting that you didn't see with other cartoons, you know, the old school like Tex Avery, which had uh, the spaghetti limbs with no joints. So it was an interesting in that animation style if you're, you know, a big buff of animation. That alone makes it far more interesting. The designs of stuff were quite out there and were quite fascinating. You know, and who can who can really forget the voice of Skeletor? I mean, come on. It was just awesome. Frank Welker's awesome. Now, the next one, believe it or not, is probably going to come as a bit of a surprise. One, because it's not actually a cartoon from the Saturday morning lineups. This was actually an after-school cartoon. And that was The Gummy Bears. And this ran from 85 to 91. Now, you're, you're probably pretty surprised by that one. But, hear me out. The Gummy Bears cartoon had a lot that was fairly, you know, the whole cliche, small kid kind of demographic thing going on. But, crucially, it had a fascinating story. How many people have really sat back and, and lit, thought about the, the Gummy Bears' backstory? The idea that they had once had this thriving civilization, and then because of forces, dark forces unknown, were forced to flee. But they didn't all flee. A small group of them remained behind to act as kind of sentries so that should this dark evil uh, pass away, then they would be able to send signals back and to let the rest of them know, hey, it's safe to come home. And that's really what the gummy bears in the series are trying to do. They're, they've lost a lot of their history. And they're trying to rediscover it. And as they're trying to rediscover this lost history, they're rediscovering, you know, lots of their own people's lost technology. And then try 
to make it, and they've made it their mission to try and contact their people to bring them home. It really is a deep story, and not one that would seemingly be that kind of small children saccharine kind of show. It's really fascinating. It's a much deeper show and a much more rounded show than what you would have given it credit for. I find that astonishing, especially, you know, from the 80s into the early 90s. And yet here we are. Gummy Bears was almost subversive in just how deep and nuanced it was. Alright, so the next one also was not on a uh, Saturday morning lineup. This also was a after-school cartoon, and that is Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. This ran from 89 to 90. The reason I liked watching Chip and Dale's, not so much as because the characters of Chip and Dale were my favorite from, uh, you know, the Disney cartoons, not so much, but because of kind of the wacky things that they would invent and create. The character of Gadget, I think, was an awesome character. You know, kind of socially oblivious and yet a mechanical genius. And the kind of weird things that she would uh, come up come up with were just fascinating. But not only that, but a, lo- a number of stories within the series had some really deep and occasionally touching on the slight disturbing when it came to certain situations. There's one particular episode in which Gadget is really depressed because everything she's been inventing has been failing, and she ends up joining a cult. And it's the story about how, you know, this cult, how she becomes part of a cult, how she progresses, what happens within the cult, and then her eventually breaking free, breaking away from that. But, my God, I mean, a, a depressed character joining a cult. Are you expecting that in a cartoon? Because I know I wasn't. And it didn't seem like such a big deal back then as a kid, but now it's just like, wow, that is mind-blowing. That is absolutely mind-blowing. Just to have something there that's like, yeah, you know, when people are depressed, they, they look for acceptance somewhere. And sometimes that acceptance is into things and places and people with people that uh, are not good for you. And it's just an amazing, an amazing story. Yeah, sure, they're, they're like, you know, the villains with the villain within it's kind of caricatured. And the fact that, uh, for the most part, the cult is kind of portrayed as simply uh, non... Oh, what's a good word for it? Non-threatening, I suppose. But uh, it's still it's still there. It still resonates. Again, a- absolutely fascinating, stunning episode. And there are a number of episodes like that within Chip and Dale. So, 
Wow. Whew. Okay, let's let's move on. All right. Back to the Saturday morning lineup. And naturally, it's Transformers, which ran from 84 to 87. I enjoy Transformers. You know, the idea of giant robots fighting each other, it's just what a little what little boys just wanted to see. They wanted to see laser guns, they wanted to see planes and tanks, and they wanted to see giant robots beating the crap out of each other. What's more what what more could you ask for, really? And then you have the Transformers, which are robots that can transform into vehicles and various things. I mean, Soundwave could turn into a boombox, and his minions were cassette pl- tapes. It's, I know, because I had him <laughs> as a kid. I also had Optimus Prime. Uh, I had... who else did I have? I had I only had a couple of Transformer toys, really. I think I had I think I had Hot Rod, yeah, Hot Rod. God, I can't remember. It was I think I only had like four of them, but I know I had. I know I had Soundwave, and I had. At least three of his minions, which was a little robot, I forget his name. Uh, the one that turned into like a panther, and one that turned into like a vulture or pterodactyl or something. But yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was my my thing. I absolutely loved the Transformers. I mean, I loved it so much that I I watched the uh Transformers movie and went through all of that. So, in the various iterations of Transformers, and eh, you never now and again I watch them. But there was just something about that original series that just sticks with you. It's it's dead simple, really. Giant robots fighting. But it's a formula that works. And sticking with the formula that works, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, running from 87 to 96. <clears throat> Man, this thing took such a wild turn from its comic. Its comic was dark, it was gritty, it was violent. And then comes the cartoon, which is anything but. <laughs> it's colorful, it's goofy, it's full of comedy. Its violence is toned down to almost to the point of being ridiculous. Almost to the point of having nunchucks made of rubber chickens. Though I start now that I say that, I'm pretty sure there's an episode in which that occurs. But it had it just it had something that was just this childlike wonder. And of course, being something tied to a toy line, tons and tons of vehicles and extra you know, extra characters popping on screen every now and again. You know, forget the Turtles and Splinter. Forget Krang. Forget Shredder. Bebop and Rocksteady. No, no. Now we're going to have Yojimbo, the Samurai Rabbit. We're going to have, uh, what was it, Leatherneck, the Cajun-speaking, Cajun shotgun-wielding alligator man. 
I mean, it just went on and on and on. You know, Baxter Stockman turning into a fly, that's one thing, but have just creating some of these wholesale out of nothing is just woo. But it was a juggernaut, let me tell you. It was an absolute juggernaut. And its opening theme was incredibly catchy. Oh man though, some sometimes you'd watch episodes and you'd see some incredible animation errors. You know, voices attributed to the wrong turtle, uh the face mask colors changing mid scene. It's just <laughs> it's just hilarious. And yet we all still watched it, and it was a lot of fun. Alright, so now to the next one. One that really is near and dear to me because of my fandom for the movie. And that is the real Ghostbusters, which ran from 86 to 91. When I was a kid and I watched the first Ghostbusters film, I was I absolutely loved it. Now, you have to understand that back then, when I watched Ghostbusters, I had watched movies like uh, Caddyshack and Stripes and a lot of other films that involved a lot of these guys. I mean, hell, I'd even watched the Blues Brothers. So, the, the comedy and acting stylings of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, the, they were known to me. And I absolutely adored their work and so after watching the movie it was like just such a thrill to have watched it and then a cartoon based on the property comes out over the moon yeah sure they're not no one's voiced by the same guys and they're the looks are a little different i mean egon a blonde it's kind of interesting but it still was ghostbusters and the monsters were incredibly diverse and imaginative. Which, of course, led to uh, toy sales. But it's... <laughs> honestly, it was a good cartoon. It got to the point where, when it started to, you know, to the point where it was Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, and they really put a lot of emphasis on Slimer. And then it started to get a little bit much. Because it's like, you know, Slimer's cool and all, but we would prefer the Ghostbusters doing their thing. And it's just, I don't know, it's a misstep and it's something that often happens with executives. Alright, so now the next one is probably going to be a, a bit more obscure, believe it or not, for some of you. And that is Dungeons and Dragons, the the animated series. Some of you may not have uh, heard of it or seen it, or some of you may have heard of it but not seen it. Now it lasted from eighty three to eighty five, and I gotta tell you, it I like it because it reminds me so much of a lot of D and D sessions I've played. You know, it has a number of characters from way back in, you know, AD&D. You know, 2nd edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, this was definitely... There were a lot of party members that were a lot like this. And the adventures that you would have. It was 
interesting. It really was. Did it follow the rules of D&D, you know, completely? Well, no, of course not. They took a lot of liberties. But uh, for the most part, it, the feel of a D&D campaign going on really, it was really nailed. It really was. And they had managed to pull that off. I'm kind of surprised that they were able to pull it off. I'm not so surprised that it was made. I mean, at the time, TSR, which uh, ended up being bought by Wizards of the Coast, was de- always trying to find new avenues to get uh, D&D out there into the public. You know, from cartoons to books to the D&D game itself to video games. I mean, hell, there was more than a f- uh, let's see, five, maybe six games. I know at least one went to the NES and a bunch on the PC from their various properties. Uh, there, I have two, personally, that are both based on TSR properties of the Dark, of Dark Sun that are computer games. So, I mean, they were, de- they were really trying to get themselves and their properties out there just to get, you know, more sales. And the fact that the cartoon did as well as it did you know, it didn't do spectacularly, but it did fairly well. And it, it has a bit of a cult following. It's amazing, really. Give it a chance if you haven't seen it. It's an interesting, interesting watch. Uh, the next one's a little obscure only because of how long it lasted, which wasn't very. And that was Dino Riders. And it only lasted one year, one season, and that was at 1988. Uh, interesting premise. Again, it was very much centered heavily for uh, toy production. So a lot of a lot of figures and a lot of toys. But the very idea that you had these two warring factions, one chasing the, you know the bad guys chasing the good guys, end up crashing onto an ancient Earth, and then using dinosaurs not only for the good guys to try and help rebuild a society but also as a way to defend themselves from the bad guys who were using said dinosaurs as weapons. Fascinating stuff. The fact that it failed is kind of surprising. But there you go. I do remember the commercials for it quite often, quite frequently. I, I've seen those pop up when you're doing a 1980s toy commercial searches. The, the fact that the show only lasted one year is bit surprising, but then again it could be just simply because toy sales didn't match expectations. Meh. Moving on. ALF. Now, not the live-action TV series. We're only talking animated stuff here. And ALF had an animated series. It's surprising to know, but yes, he did. And it lasted from 87 to 89. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Um, The first season of ALF the Animated Series, it revolves around ALF just telling stories about him living on Melmac. And I found those to be the most interesting, the the most fascinating part of the show. That's when you get to get a little bit more intel about ALF himself. The problem is is that uh, in the next season it starts to get more into uh, fairy tales from Melmac. 
rather than just, you know, stories of Gordon Shumway. So it's not nearly as interesting. It's not nearly as fun to watch. But that first half, man, whew, when you when you watch as Gordon Alf is at home on Melmac and he's with his friends and he's with his family and his girlfriend and his job and all this other stuff, it's so much, much more interesting to watch. So if you're going to watch it, I would watch the uh, first season. I'd kind of skip over the ra- the rest of it. All right, and finally, finally we come down to another uh, one season show. It was also on a cart. It was also on the Saturday morning lineup. It lasted one season, but an impressive sixty five episodes for one season, and that was Silverhawks. Okay, the reason I watched Silverhawks is because I am into sci-fi, big time. And the fact that Silverhawks is very much a cybernetics crew of crime fighters in deep space in the far future just strikes a chord for me. There are some annoyances with that show, to be sure. One character, the Copper Kid, can just he could just piss off because that that thing it's annoying but the rest of the show it has it's like the hard-boiled cop kind of series feel to it but it has this sci-fi slick look it has you know personal interdrama among some of the teammates on occasions it really does have quite a lot going for it the fact that it didn't last much more than its one season again probably due to toy sales or lack thereof I guess isn't that big a surprise but it was still a fascinating show to watch and with that that is my kind of informal list of my favorite shows when I was a kid you know were some of the some of the shows on this list uh, some of your favorites or maybe did I uh, mention a few that you've never even heard of who knows this sparks a conversation what what were some of your favorite cartoons from back in the day it's like well I think it's going to be it for me for today so it's time to close up the old shed but I will see y'all next time.